0: Friday, the Supreme Court of the United States ruled that the decision, the pretty landmark decision that was made a few decades ago, Roe versus Wade, uh, was no longer constitutional. Of course, a few days before that, they had made some kind of a ruling. I don't remember all the details of it, but I do it had to do with um, uh, gun rights. You know, it was New York City, they were not allowing people to do concealed military permits or something like that. But because of all of that, and then of course on top of that, just all the rhetoric that's been going on for the last forever. <laughs> uh, you turn on the television, and I have done it a couple times in the last week, and I have noticed you can't get anything on the TV or on social media that's not about abortion or about guns. And sometimes with bad and and guns at the same time. I don't know how that works, but they do figure that out. And I want to tell you right now, I mean, I've got I've got strong opinions on all those things, and I'm glad to talk to you about them. But I just want to set up for you really good, really clearly here that I'm not fully sure how to think about or let alone respond to. What the prevailing thinking is on these topics, particularly those. Again, I'll be clear with you. I am. I am absolutely against killing a baby in a mother's womb. I do not believe that is appropriate. I do not believe that is right. For those that are against that, that really want that right, I, I don't understand. And they're thinking, I can't quite figure out how to respond to that. But here's what I do know. I don't know all the answers. I don't have the the magic pill to say, "Here's do this, and you've got it all figured out. I don't have that for you. But I'll tell you what I do know that this world needs. This world is in need of truth. They have been deceived by the Father of lies. This world is in need of Spirit led people, not people that are reacting because of some political view or political party, not people who are acting because of some emotional feeling, not people who are reacting, but they need people who are doing what the Holy Spirit tells them to do, acting in the power of God, because Satan, while deceiving them, is out to kill, steal, and to destroy. We need to be people who are actually in this world making it better by the spirit power. That's what we need to be doing. This world needs people that are willing, if we want to say, and again I will say with the loudest of us, we will we do not need to be killing babies. We need to allow those babies the, the right and I believe it is a God given right to live. We need to give them the right to live. We need to allow them to live. But if we're going to say that we also need this world also needs people who are willing to give up their stuff and give up their cells. For the good of other people, to help those who are in need, help those who are are, that uh, are finding themselves in positions to feel like they can do nothing but kill their babies to improve their lives. There's just so much selfishness in this world. And you say, "Well, amen, Matthew. That's what the church is supposed to do." And I say, "You're right. That's what the church is supposed to do." But can I go ahead and just put a mirror up to you, whether you want to? you want to admit it here at Ellingsboro, or if you want to call it everywhere else, but it is every church that I've ever been part of. This absolutely the truth of our churches. The church, while we should do that, we are known in this world for our inciting. And if you don't believe me, you just... <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, you ain't been to one lately. And I, we do a good job here, but even here, there's a little electricity in the air when it happens. Okay? Now right, take it or leave it, but we we'll move on. Pettiness. We're noted by our pettiness. Have you ever been to these communities, and there's, there's some around here too, where you've in these communities, and there's like five people that live on that road, but there's five church signs at the corner? Why? Because every one of them split off the other one that somebody that not like something about it. And they're all Baptist or all Methodist or whatever it is that they are in that community. They're all the same, and they all split off each other. That's we're paid. We're divisive. I told, I preached about this. It like a month or so ago now. But we've got, <laughs> I mean, this Baptist alone is all some kind of brands of it. I mean, good gracious, y'all are Southern Baptist Church, and I'm an independent Baptist preacher. We we, all, we can't even agree on that stuff. I mean, look how silly we get. We we just get so divisive over all these little things. There's hypocrisy. And if you don't believe anything, I just think, well, that ain't happening here. Okay, fine. Y'all are perfect. Go to another church. I promise you, you walk in the door and visitors that are here, I pray this is not your experience, but I can promise you, I've been to churches where they didn't know me and I was not a guest of honor. I was just coming in and sitting on a pew, And let me tell you, I saw all that. And I felt all that. So you tell me, And here's the man standing here before you. I've committed. I'm going to go to church on Sunday. I don't care what's going on. I'm going. These people out here that are screaming that they want abortion. These people that don't believe in God the way you believe in God. They don't believe what you believe. What do you think they feel about the church? What do you think they feel about the church? Ultimately, I want you to know that as much as we ought to feel a little prick of conviction, I know I do when I think about this, it's not a new situation for any church in the in the world. I bring you to exhibit A, the book of First Corinthians. Paul writes to a church at Corinth, and he is writing to a church that's exactly noted by all of those things. In fact, they are known for their lack of unity. They are split up over their favorite preachers. He addresses that in chapter chapter one. They are mesmerized by eloquence. They're not focused on godly simplicity. That's what they miss the Gospel and they're focused on all these other things. They're letting sin run rampant and kind of proud of it, in fact, and go to chapter 5 and kind of see they're think kind of, they've done a good thing by letting terrible sin run rampant in the church. And they're worried more, and you see this in the section that we're looking at here in chapter 12 in particular, they're a little bit more worried about who's got the best gift, who can speak in tongues, who can heal, who can, who can prophesy, who can do this. That's what they're worried about. They're more worried about that than they are about actually doing anything good with what, they, what the Lord has given them. In fact, in the next chapter, I think we're actually I think it's in chapter 11. In chapter 11, it's clear. Paul's saying, y'all are turning people away from the Lord's suffer because they're too poor. Something's wrong. And at this point in the book, in chapter 12, well, I'm not going to read chapter 13, but in chapter 12, he's dealing with these spiritual gifts, but he says right in the middle of that thought, if you're in chapter 13, just go back to verse 31, he says there, I'm going to show you a more excellent way. i got something better for you. There's something better. It's not about all these gifts. It's not all this stuff you're distracted with, but there's something better. What's that better thing? I want you to see it in First Corinthians chapter thirteen. I'm just going to read it to you. I'm going to read the whole chapter because I like the chapter, and y'all know the chapter. And I, I just like the rhythm and the rhyme of the, the King James version. So I just I just want to read it. Y'all just listen to me if you don't mind. Here's what it says: Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long, and it's kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up doth not behave itself unseemless, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth, for whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass, darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I am known. And now by of faith, hope, carry these three But the greatest of these is charity. The greatest of these is charity. What's that more excellent way? That more excellent way is love. That's what the world needs in this church. The world needs charity. Love. God's love. That unconditional, sacrificial love. That's what this world needs. They need a walking, talking, breathing, three-dimensional view of Jesus which shows up in the words you say, the things you do, the attitudes that you have. That's what this world needs. They need that kind of sacrificial, transforming love. What did Jesus' love do to me? It changed me. It made me a different person. Then that's the kind of love that needs to come out of you that transforms people. That actually, when people come in contact with you, they leave a little different. That's what we need. We don't just need to give this world spiritual, religious words. We don't need to give them our spiritual gifts. We don't need to make personal sacrifices. They need those, those, those things are helpful, but if that's all we've got to do for them, it's useless. That's what Paul's saying in this passage. All of that may sound good, it may seem good, but it is worse than doing nothing at all for you to sacrifice for people, for you to say religious words and not have real love as you're doing it. Here's my goal of this message, and I'm just going to expound on verses 1, 2, and 3 for just a few minutes. The whole goal that I have for you is to proclaim and explain to you that without having and showing and being driven by the brother of Jesus, you personally and as a church will accomplish nothing. If you, you, can, you can work yourself into a ladder And you could be right on everything. But if the love of Jesus is not what's driving you, if it's not what's shaping you, if it's not being exuded from you, you might as well, and I mean this as a man who wants people to fill the church to you, you might as well stay at home or go play golf or go lay out on the beach. You might as well do anything but come here and be part of this church. If you will not allow Jesus' love to come through you. But on the other hand, I'm going to invite you to ask the Lord. This is going to be my image. I'm telling you now what my invitation is going to be. My invitation is y'all are going to come and you're going to ask God to fill you with His love. You may not be saved and you say, well, I need to be saved. Well, He'll fill you with His love. That's Romans chapter 5. I think it's first five. that the Holy Spirit when He regenerates you, He just floods you. He fills you. Sheds abroad in your heart His love. That's what He does. And some of you say, well, I'm already saved, Matthew. Well, he will heal you so that you can live and you can act from that reality. That's what I want to invite you to do today. But so when that happens, then we can actually be somebody, right? do something of help to this world. Verse 1, he says, I still I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity. He says, <laughs> let me give you the headline here. Church, if you don't have the love of Jesus, those religious words, you think they're good pet phrases, God is good, God's good all the time, you know, all that kind of thing. Those are good stuff to say. It's awesome, right? That's just annoying to people if you don't have the love of Jesus. He he's saying there, it's not the, the, the problem, Is not the source of the speech, the problem is not the quality of the speech. Tongues of meaning of angels, it, 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 the words he's using there are simply saying that the best, the most ideal speech you can imagine, the, the kind of speech that is pious, clearly holy, clearly from heaven. I mean, speech of angels. Where else is How better than that you you get? He's coming from heaven. So, I don't care how holy and pious it is. It could be precise, saying exactly the right things at the right time. Now, how many times would I look? I say you could saying how many times after I'm done preaching, i think oh, I that. I didn't say it that way. I tripped over my words this way. I wish I could speak better because I Stumble over my words. Y'all ever done that? Or you, you're talking to somebody and you're like, eh, I should have said that. But that's what, that's what he's telling me. He like, You don't have to do that anymore. If you could just say exactly what needs to be said, when it needs to be said, at the right time, that precise speech and persuasive speech. That when you say it, it changes people's minds. People agree with you. Me and Vanessa talk all the time. I say talk, let me say argue. I'm uh, sorry, better word. And when we're arguing, Uh, My my thing that I always bring back on, which you don't agree with me, is you just don't understand what I'm saying. You just don't understand what I'm saying. I say that over and over because I understand perfectly, I just don't agree with it. What I want her to do is I want her to agree with me because I want persuasive language. That's that's what I'm trying to get you to see. and and he's saying you can have pious, precise, persuasive language if the love of Jesus isn't there, he missed it. He missed it. He, in fact, he says, so look what he says there. He says, If you don't have charity, that's that perfect love that is represented in Christ. He says, If that's not there and you've got this perfect speech, he says, You're becoming a sounding brass or a two-winged symbol. He says, Without the love of Christ, all those perfect words is just a bunch of noise. Bunch of noise. My my my, my two older boys, both of them performed in the band and in the choir and things like that when they were in high school. And um, Eli, particularly, if you know, Eli, he's the one who's come here a couple of times, played the guitar. I had really long hair, remember him? He, he thinks he's good looking. Um, but he would get up and he would play, and he'd play that um, the bass, is what he played. He did, did, did a good job on it. But if he was playing that, they would have this one fella in the back, and he had about three or four instruments. Y'all may have seen this in high school bands. It's about three or four instruments, all these little things hanging from the wall and everything. And at certain intervals, he'd go out there, and he'd bang on this thing. And he'd go over here, and clasp this thing together. And it was perfect because it fit right where it needed to go. It was the right sound at the right time. It was a little strange, very physical kind of activity, but it was, it was interesting to watch. But I could not imagine if the whole song had been that fellow back there playing on his three or four instruments the whole time clash, 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 and bing, 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 and all that kind of thing, that would be annoying, really, is what that would be. And that's exactly what the Bible's telling us here. If we are speaking. I don't know how perfect our speech is, if there's not the love of Christ there, it's like hearing the percussion section with the volume turned up and the instruments turned off. That is irritating. It's something good. You hear that? Because that profession is it's useful. It's helpful. It adds something to the, the music. It's good, but the good stuff is missing. It's the wrong thing is put in the forefront because you know what? This world doesn't need your word. This world needs His love. That's the thing. That's the difference. That's the thing. So we have to have the love of Christ to be useful. In fact, I read it for you, so I won't re it, but in verses 4, 5, 6, and 7, it defines and describes sort of the edges of love, what this really looks like, how this things should really come together. It's just unless you're marked by His love, unless you're marked by, by the love that is, that has real care, real endurance, a real love for the truth, a real real concern for the, for the truth, and real faith in others. If that's not the kind of love that you have, he says there, if that's what you need, he says if not, you're just a bunch of noise. Because your life is not, as a Christian, you're not about winning arguments. You do understand that. You know your king wins if you never win another argument? Jesus has already won. Your arguments are... I like to win an argument. I just told you, I love to win an argument, but I don't win that many, but I'd like to win some arguments, but I'm going to tell you right now, you winning an argument is pointless. It's not the point. Without God's love, your words, the best they can offer is running folks down in gossip. We'll call it a prayer request because we're spiritual like that, but we just want to talk about people. The best our words will do is we'll say the right things but we'll do it without any real care for people. There are some people who are talking about abortion right now. And I want to say, as I've already said, but I'll just reiterate, thanks to the Lord that there's progress being made in protecting the lives of unborn children. I'm so glad for that. But you do understand that this abortion issue is not a political issue? This is actually a spiritual issue that the, the works of Satan are defeating people to Jesus light can shine a light into their understanding that so this is not about winning an argument. It's not about winning a political race. It's not about getting a vote on this or that. It's an understanding that that dear lady who's going to that abortion clinic can get that done. feels like she's got no other option. And you sitting over there with your beauty hot hat saying, I'm better than her. I don't know why she wants to go kill her baby. He doesn't think there's anything wrong with him. He doesn't understand that there's people who love her. And I'm going to go ahead and go on the record and say, I'm afraid there may not be that many people that love her. And they need to be loving her. But you see, we're not about winning an argument. Yeah, you, you might have the right words to say. And you might be absolutely correct in what you say about abortion. But it's not about the law. It's not about the argument. It's about the people. Jesus didn't die to save the Supreme Court. He died for people to save sinners. That's what He died for. He gave you, not know the United States of America, and God bless America, but that's not why He died. He died so that millions and billions and billions of souls will make their, their way to heaven. That's why He died. And we've got to understand that it's not about getting the right words said. In fact, some of us have got the right words down and we're kind of, kind of proud of ourselves for that. We got the answers. People come after me. I'll tell you what you need to know. I got all the answers. That's the way we think. We got to stop that. Because all that does is cause this division in our community. We call it division within our church. <laughs> but I just tell you kind of a, a revelation here real quick? It is entirely possible for you to hold one political view and you to hold another and y'all to be brothers and friends. Woo, ain't that something? That's crazy, man. That's crazy. But you know what, a, what What should be our dividing line? It's do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? If you don't, show Him, Show Him. Do you see that? That's the point. That's the center of it all. That's the heart of it all. We have to have that because with His love, the gospel transforms us and makes us compassionate for sinners. We get focused then on nurturing the weak, not commanding them and controlling them and telling them what to do. Instead, we get to reflect the Spirit. By speaking the truth, I'm not ever saying back off the truth. Don't hear me. If you heard me say, stop saying the truth. you heard it wrong. Say the truth. Speak it loud. Speak it boldly. Be confident in what's true. Because remember what love is? It, it loves the truth. It pursues the truth. That's what we want to be. So we're going to have that truth done in love. An appreciation and concern. We're going to be committed not to a Republican Party, not to a political think, uh, political way of thinking. We're going to be committed to the way of Jesus and only the way of Jesus. That's our way. So, without His love, your words are useless. Second, without His love, your spiritual gifts are nothing. Nothing stays there. Uh, the get of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and all all faith. He speaks of three specific gifts. In chapter 12, I won't take the time to taste it all down, but in chapter 12, he lays out all these different gifts that come from the Holy Spirit and these are three of those gifts that do, that are referenced over there. Uh, One is prophecy, which is the idea of sharing God's Word, sharing the truth of God. And, And often it even has a connotation is one aspect of it, which may or may not be in chapter twelve of even for, you know, for foretelling the future. But I think the the thing that we want to focus on is the the foretelling of the gospel, the sharing of the truth of God. And, and there are some people, you may know them, that have just have a gift for being able to declare the Word of God in a clear and precise manner. I can think of several men right now that are that, that are, are models for me in this way. And I believe that the Holy Spirit has given them this gift of prophecy in this way. So this is something he says, this is absolutely a gift. Uh, there's also this idea of mysteries and knowledge. And both of these are really the idea of truth Mysteries being an unknown tree, something that we don't know, and knowledge being a more knowable or known tree. but ultimately it's about knowing the truth and being able to understand it, discern it, being able to again declare it. And then lastly, there's faith. He talks about this idea of faith, which is just being able to lean on God for amazing things. In fact, he talks about uh, faith that can remove mountains, verse 2. It could remove mountains. I mean, that's some pretty good sized faith right there, that you can move a mountain. And I believe that God gives some people. There's some people I know that I can't understand how they're dealing with what they're dealing with, but they will say, God is good. And I'm saying, does it look like it's good? I'm looking at your life. And they say, no, you don't understand. I know God. And they have a faith that's undefinable and undescribable because that comes from God. It's not natural. And that's a gift that's given to us by the Holy Spirit. And he's saying these are three specific gifts, but I think he's using them as illustrations or kind of examples of all the gifts of God and essentially saying they're all good. They're all helpful. They're very good. And they're coming from God, so if it's a gift from God, it's a good thing. So he's not saying anything bad about it. But he says there that if you have those things and have not the end of verse 2, I am nothing. He emphasizes that I am nothing because I think these people were thinking because I have this gift, I am something. I'm somebody. And I think some of us get that way. You can only do what you do because the Holy Spirit's giving you this gift. But you kind of get a big head about it and say, you know what? I'm pretty good. I do a good job. I'm pretty awesome. And he says, no, no, you forgot it. It's a good thing that God's given it to you, but you're nothing if it's not about Jesus. It's all these things are good. These things are important, but they are given to you. If you go to chapter 12 and verse 7, it says the Holy Spirit gives you those things to help everybody. Not to make you big. Not to give you a high stature, to high standing. He gives you those gifts to help everybody. That's why you've been given those things. So you can preach, you can teach, and you can believe all you want to do and you can raise that raise doing it. But if you don't have His love, it is a pointless exercise. In fact, I just want to point this out to you and I'm going to move on. Verse 10, where I verse 9. He says, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. He says, these gifts at best are part of the picture. Verse 10, then that which is perfect has come and that which is part is probably be done away with. And then in, in verse 12, we keep your glass darkly. Just go ahead and just give you this real quick. And, and y'all may disagree with me and we can talk about it later. But I just going to tell you, I, I believe that these gifts that are given are given for one reason. To point us to Jesus. And there's going to come a time where we're going to see Jesus face to face. Like that song says about 3 hours prayer. We're just going to say, thank you, three-hour prayer. I don't need you anymore because I'm going to talk to the man right now. That's what we're going to have. We don't, we don't, we don't need prophecy. We don't need faith and all that. There's going to come a time I'm going to see Him face to face. In the face of Jesus, all this stuff is going to go away. These things right now are, are gifts given to me to point me to that day when everything is fulfilled in Jesus. That's what I believe. So we have to have the love of Jesus for these things to be useful. And if you stop thinking about those gifts that God has given you, and all of you, every if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit is giving you some kind of gift to do something. I don't know what it is. But it's going to be something. It may not be one of these things in here, be something else, but He's giving you something. He's not giving you, that. He's not saved you, as, as my daddy always says, He didn't save you to sit you down. He saved you to put you to work, to get you to do something. Now, work's going to look different for every person in here, but He's giving you that. He's He didn't give it to you so that you can say, ha-ha, I am the best preacher that ever lived. Ha-ha, I'm the best soul winner that's ever lived. I, I'm the best teacher. I'm the best whatever nobody cares. Shut up. That's not what this is about. You've missed the point altogether. The point is not about how good you are, how smart you are, how awesome you are, how faithful you are. You missed it. This is about you get the chance. The point of the world is Jesus. You get the chance like John the Baptist. Do you remember John the Baptist? He's doing a mighty work. I mean, he's standing up the power. He's about to get his head chopped off because of it. But he's got a following. People are going out to the desert to see this crazy dude as he goes out there baptizing people left and right. He's doing a mighty work for God. But the minute you know he sees Jesus doing it, behold, the Lamb of God. He's the one you want. And there's the whole debate of man, should we follow him, should we stay with you? And God's like, hey, I'm just the man standing here with the beside the, the bridegroom. He, he's here. He's the man. You go with him. It's not about me. Jesus even said, of John the Baptist, that he was the greatest man ever born to a woman. And John said, hey, about me. It's about Jesus. So until we get to that point that we're pointing to Jesus, that's the point. We're, we're, we're going to do it all wrong. But it will change our attitude, it will change our outlook, it will change while we serve. Let me move on. I've been back around a time. Let me keep on going here and I'll be done. Verse 3, he says there that that, that personal sacrifice on its own, he uses the word, it's vanity. It's vanity. It profiteth me nothing. It's vanity. Selfless sacrifice, I think we think of that. As I, I do, maybe y'all don't, but I, I do. I think that self-sacrifice is the ultimate good. I give my stuff for a good cause. My stuff could be my possessions. It could be my life. It could be my body. It could be what I'm giving it to a good cause. A good example of it. These men and women who have given their lives for their country, we are going to cele- we celebrate them on Memorial Day. We celebrate our, our, the freedoms that we have on July 4th. I mean, this, is, this is wonderful. We're so grateful that these people are willing to do this. We see that as an ultimate good. I do. I hope you all do too because that is an honor that these people would do this. And, and some of you have actually put yourself in life in, in, in the way of harm so that you're doing this for your country. And we're so grateful for that. Don't, don't hear me wrong. I'm grateful for that. But we see that as a high honor, a big, big uh, ultimate good. And he says there that in verse 3, so I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. So I mean, I can't think of more valuable stuff, everything I got. Or a more good call, feeding the poor. He's using that as an illustration of that. And he says that we see that that is a good thing to do, and it's and a right thing to do. And he goes on to say there, though I give my body to be burned. I think the 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 indication here, while certainly the, the, the illustration of you is literally lighting myself on fire, but I think the indication here is literally con- giving myself over completely, like a burnt sacrifice, where we're offering ourselves completely. Okay, in, our, in our vernacular today, we talk about being burnt out. You know, like at work, you get burnt out. Why do you get burnt out? Because you just give everything you got to it, and you run yourself ragged. You give yourself over. That's the idea, I believe, it's in mind here. And and this is, and I think I think this is an an ultimate good, and I understand that, and that's actually what Paul's trading on here—that it's an ultimate good. But most of us, I can't speak for everybody. I can speak for myself. I'll just speak for myself, and y'all have to put your own self in place. But most of us, I believe, do those kinds of things. We give the things that we have that are valuable for good causes. We give ourselves over completely to something. And we do that because we want to accomplish something by doing it. Again, I, want, I want to get on y'all's list, but I'll just get on mine because I know mine. I like people to appreciate when I do stuff for them. Sorry, I'm a human being. I just like that. I like to, I remember I was telling you at the beginning of the service about my transition of what's moving and all that sort of thing. I remember one of the things that kind of, as I said, took the wind out of my sails out of leaving that last ministry was I remember going there with the mind, I'm coming here to build a legacy. This is my life's work. And the Lord said to me, real quick, I got a work going on It ain't about Matthew. There's something bigger going on here. But I'm just telling you that i wanted Legacy. I wanted to build something. I wanted to be look at what I've done. Now, of course, I would humble it up real good. Hey, I'm sacrificing. I'm just good. You know, y'all know things. But in my mind, I'm like, I'm doing a big thing here. This is, whoo, look at this. This is amazing. Sometimes we do it to seek God's favor. This is what a lot of religious systems are built on. I do the thing. I give money. I give my time. I give my energy. I give whatever. Because God's going to like me better if I do it. But without Christ's love motivating you, without Christ's love exuding from you he says there, <laughs> it profited me nothing. It's a pointless exercise. In this life, let's just think about this real quick. Right? I want to make some questions. In this life, do you truly sacrifice for other people? And some of you know, y'all have done this and you know this personally. It's inevitably going to lead to pain, loss, and hurt. People are not going to appreciate the sacrifices you give. You say, Well, you don't understand I'm giving half of my half of my income to feed people. i <laughs> you know, just look at your own children for that sake, and I can say that about myself, about my parents. They don't appreciate what you did for them, not fully. I mean, yeah, they love you and they think they appreciate you, but they don't fully understand the pain and suffering you went through to give them what they got. And y'all will have to say amen because I know that's true. That's just the nature of sacrifice. No one's going to really fully appreciate it. And if you're not doing that out of the love of Christ, you know what you're going to be left with at the end of your life? Resentment and bitterness. You're going to say, You don't understand what I did to you. I know because I said that. You don't understand what I did to you. don't understand. I said it. I said it. You know why? Because my love, or rather my sacrifice, is not motivated by Christ's love. My sacrifice instead was motivated by what I was going to get out of it. That's just in this life. It takes you a little higher in the next life. Because you know what's going to happen? There's going to be people that go before God, and we're going to say, Lord, you understand, I I wrote, I didn't just give 10%, I didn't give a tithe, I gave 15% of of my money. I volunteered for every program that church had. I gave up weekends, I gave up nights, I gave up all my stuff. Don't you understand, I did all this stuff for you, Lord. And Jesus says that there's going to be many that come to him in that day and say, Lord, Lord, we have not done, have we not done these things in your name? And I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. It is entirely possible through sacrifice, personal sacrifice, to gain the whole world, yet lose your soul. The difference maker is that we must have the love of Christ. He's the one that's gotta drive that. His sacrifice is always gonna come with pain and disappointment. But his love makes that sacrifice valuable to other people and actually helpful to us. He's already paid the price. His love will give us joy and suffering. His love makes what seems like a waste whenever this will be some people, if you really are going to sacrifice and you're really going to try to give them the love of Christ, it's going to look like you're wasting your time. I'm just going to tell you, you're going to work with the people who are strung out on drugs. You're going to be working with the people who have bad attitudes. You're going to have some people who, who don't appreciate what you're doing. But if you're doing it for the love of Christ, it's not going to be about what you can accomplish. It'll be about what he accomplishes to them potentially through you. He might not even use you. He might just really let you do a little watering. But He gives the increase. that Paul writes in First Corinthians. He accomplishes those things. His love provides hope when it seems like there is none. In that same day, in that final judgment day, there are going to be people who come up there and I said, they said, look at all we did for you. And he says, I don't know who you are, but there will be others of us because we've read the Bible we understand the truth, and we're going to be standing there and say, Lord, I don't have anything. I did what I could. did the best I could. But I know who you are, and I know what you're about, and I don't All I've got, if this will be enough, I know Jesus. He loves me. He died for me. That's all I've got. That's all I've got. Are you know what say to y'all? Come on, man. That was the right way. Well done. good and take And if you're honest with yourself, you're going to say, man, I didn't do near enough. And he's going to say, I know. (laughs) But Jesus took care of it all. Jesus did it all. That's what (laughs) I'm I'm closing. I promise. I think a lot of y'all like that a lot, and I don't want to do that. I am on a page here that says, conclusion. John chapter 13, verse 35, Jesus said that people would know that we were His followers not by any other measure, but by our love. Without that, we're not even a help to ourselves, and we're definitely not a help to other people. There's only one source of that love, and His name is Jesus. His love will change you. His love will change everyone around you. Without it, your religious words, Hey, I'll, I'll, oh yeah, you're religious. But it's just a bunch of noise. Without it, the spiritual gifts that are available to every Christian will do nothing for anybody. Without it, those personal sacrifices that some of you are willing to make, and I'm grateful for that, but without the love of Christ, those personal sacrifices are a waste. I want to invite you to ask Lord to fill you with His love. I don't know how else to do it. I want to be a preacher that's useful, but I just preach to you that my words, no matter how, how much time I spend crafting them, are going to be pointless in what stage of love of Christ in me. So how do I do that? Except God, you've got to fill me with your love. Some of you spent the last week sacrificing your time and energy on vacation Bible school, and we thank you for that. Bible just told me that unless you had the love of Christ doing, you're doing it for that. It was a waste of everybody's time. Some of y'all are very gifted singers, very gifted organizers, very gifted in speakers and teachers, all the ways that the church needs people to be gifted in. I just told you, you'd be gifted. You're nothing apart from the love of Christ. All I know to tell you is my invitation. Y'all go ahead and stand and you don't mind coming to play. Y'all need to come and ask Jesus to fill you with His love. And you're going to have no hope otherwise. And this world will continue to be lost. If these people aren't marked by His love, we've got no hope. Father, please move your people. Please fill them with your love. And please help us to have word with your love. Help us to use our gifts driven by your love. And help us to be willing to make sacrifices for others but motivated by the love and sacrifice you've given us. I ask you to do this